Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Hello and welcome to Home Education Matters. Today, we are very lucky to be joined by Chatana, who is going to be guiding us through exam techniques. And this is something that is unbelievably important when your child is sitting exams when you home educate, because I think we often take for granted how much knowledge teachers have of the exam system and the exam papers and the exam boards. And it's almost impossible as a home educator to get that amount of knowledge of all the different subjects, because If you bear in mind that your history teacher will know lots and lots about the history specifications, all about the different history exam boards or the one that the the school children will be sitting. But we as home educators would have to know this times seven or eight different subjects. So you don't have to do all that alone. We've got someone here to help you. So Chitana, over to you. Please tell us all about yourself and also how you can help us with our exam technique. Okay, so I'm Chetan Greenwood. I have been homeschooling sort of on and off now for 18 years. Um, I have neurodivergent children. um, So actually, exams were like a massive mountain for us. And so very quickly, we learned just generally how to survive them. Um, I've background is I've been mainly a little bit of a trainer, but with homeschooling, I ended up helping some other kids who are also neurodivergent. And what we did is we prepared them for exams. And I've done a lot of reading and scribing and invigilating. So I'm like quite up to speed with what happens with that. And what I was noticing is that some of the kids managed to completely not answer any questions when they were taking their exams. And it wasn't because they didn't know it. And it was quite frustrating. I was at one lad and we were doing an environmental management paper. And I think he actually managed to dance around and not answer any question, even though he had a raft of knowledge there. So what had happened? It's so frustrating, isn't it? Disconnect. Yeah. So mm. somebody hadn't sat down with him, wasn't someone I'd, I'd worked with, and not and explained to him that a described question is something different to an explained question. And if you explain your described questions and describe your explained questions, you're not going to get any points. And that's basically what was happening with him. So I don't know, maybe two, three years on, you know, I now work with neurodivergent kids um, doing GCSEs and sort of chunking them right down uh, and doing it in a way so they just get the information that they need. Um, and exam technique is like a massive part of that and, and something that I'm asked about a lot. Yeah, It's so frustrating, the exam process, because it feels quite often just like a hoop jumping exercise and your child can know so much about a subject But if they don't get it just quite right, if they don't answer the questions in just the right way, if they don't define the keywords using just the right words, they can drop marks. And I find it really infinitely frustrating that the assessment process is like that. But unfortunately, that is the assessment process and we're stuck with it. So obviously anything that you can, any advice you can give us that helps our child jump through those hoops more efficiently would be great. Basically in the day, what's written on your bit of paper needs to be the same as what's written on the examiner's bit of paper. Yeah. If you can marry those two up, then you're good to go. Okay, so how ridiculous though, isn't it? Honestly, I, I, I try, I'm going to try really hard during this podcast not to rant about the exam process, 
but just just anyone listening trust me i have lots of internal rants that i'm doing right now but i i will save i will save that for and maybe i do a whole other offshoot podcast where i just rant for 10 minutes um as a kind of monologue about, <laughs> about the exam process but no i won't so chitana please tell us right. tell us uh, relax my brain on this okay <laughs> so there is loads that you can do okay you might say it's a little bit game playing you know, for me, I'm a big advocate of education, but the kids that I work with don't always get the best setting. And for me, you know, I'm, have I got an issue? No, I think testing somebody on their worth for two hours on the exam when they're like 15 or 16. What? <laughs> also, it's about levelling. It's about levelling the playing field. Uh-huh. I, I worked briefly in a grammar school, a big selective grammar school in Birmingham. And the teacher that I worked with, he was an examiner. He was the principal examiner for the subject. And he just prepped them for the subject. He just prepped them for the exam, completely prepped them for the exam. And this is, in actual fact, what happens in almost all private schools and grammar schools, not quite so much state system, but still, depending on the teacher, it can do. They are absolutely prepped for this exam. They know exactly the kind of words to say, exactly the kind of structure of their answers. And so all we're doing as home educators is we're trying to allow our child to retain a love of the subject but we still need to play the game don't we yeah and this is how you do it yeah okay brilliant it's the rule book this is it (laughs) super hacks to get you there okay so the best thing you need to know is there's actually there's huge huge amounts of information out there you need to know where to look yeah okay so the first thing to do is know who the examination board is okay so there are lots of exam boards and lots of people get these mixed up and lots of people will employ me to do tutoring with their child and tell me completely the wrong exam board. So you need to make sure you know who that is. If you are at the point like we are with home uh, home educators, you have a choice about where you want to go. And it depends what you want at the end of the day. If you're trying to get five ticks in a box, yeah, so your child can then go on to college, okay, then, and unless they're going to particularly doing uh, A-level biology or chemistry, or whatever, for me, yeah, with neurodivergent kids, I was going to always take the easy road. So for me, I'm quite, I quite like the main stuff. I quite like Cambridge. So where I'm doing homeschooling, we do business, we do travel and tourism, and we do environmental management. The reason that we've got those three, there's several reasons why we've got those three. Um, Firstly, the exam papers are set out the same. Secondly, the command words are all the same. And also with those three subjects, you've got so much overlap on each of them, then actually you're probably doing the work of one and a half GCSEs and getting three at the end of it. That so is fascinating. Work smarter, not harder. I've never heard that advice, and that is already chiming with me. So you would recommend um doing three GCSEs on top of the maths and English, which I'm sure you're getting to. So you would do Cambridge Environmental Management, Cambridge Travel and Tourism, and Cambridge yeah. Business Studies. Yeah. Now I've got a question for you. Yeah. My daughter only needs, I think, three or four GCSEs. And I have really she's doing environmental management. She's done classical civilization. She needs to do English. She needs to do maths. And I'm holding off. I held off on her doing global citizenship, for example, because I was worried that if there were too many kind of in inverted commas or wacky subjects that colleges might look at her and think, oh, she's home educated. She's taken like really easy subjects like travel and tourism, business. And I worry that I don't know that colleges might be a bit sneery about it. Is that not not the experience you've had? No. OK, so my own daughter, who is chronically dyslexic, bless her heart, um, she did. Snap. 
um, exactly English. same as mine. Yeah. yeah, she did English, lit, classics, um, environmental management, and RE. Okay, so she went in to have her interview, and we sort of coached her a little bit. And what she went in with, which is what colleges love about home educated kids, is because they have one a love of learning. If we haven't squashed it out of them in the GCSE yet. Yeah. Also, they have a great capacity to work independently. Yeah, self-study. The her GCSEs, they absolutely fell over for her. Um, and she went on and she did her A-levels in business, law and politics, which oh, were nothing to do yeah. with what she had gone in with. They were looking for those five tick boxes. If she'd wanted to do biology or higher maths, then yeah, she would have mm. had to maybe look at it a little bit differently. I know a lot of our home care kids, you know, need to do that. So, yeah, have a look at what you actually need. But what you do GCSE doesn't have to be what you do at uh, A-level. And now she's gone on, she's got a, a politics degree and she's doing her a PGC to become a history teacher. So That's really good to know. So actually what I'm calling is... Degree in history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's really gone a circuitous route for that, right? But what I'm, what I'm maybe perceiving as colleges thinking that they're maybe filler subjects or something like that, actually colleges just see that and think what a wide variety of subjects and she's self-studied and isn't that brilliant? Yeah, and I've got a girl that I've got who's doing a year with me at the moment. She's just gone in, um, had her college interview, and they were falling over her. And and those she was doing, she's in English maths, and those three, she's going in with five. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. And they're all like, oh, you know, so they're starting to come around to the fact that, you know, that if you're homeschooled, you're going to be trying. If you're homeschooled, you're going to be thinking a bit wider. Yeah, and a lot of our kids that are homeschooled are neurodivergent, even wider thinking. I think yeah, people yeah, are starting yeah. to move around for it, but you know, homeschooling as a homeschooling parent is hard work. There's no, there's no way around it. And then when you go and you've got uh, GCSEs on top, you know, for me, let's just do the easy option. I agree, especially if your child maybe just wants to get into the local college, only needs five GCSEs, I think, you know, and, and realistically, my son wants to do theoretical physics at university, and I've been looking at the requirements, and no one seems to want more than seven. In fact, most seem to want five. Yeah. GCSEs, I think we perhaps put more pressure on ourselves as home educators than we need to, because our local school children, they're maybe doing 10, and we think, oh, people will think that our children are really slack if we don't do 10, and I think that's nonsense. It's absolutely, I absolutely agree. You know, five grade fives, you can go anywhere practically in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so for me, so on those two, so business and travel and tourism, half of the syllabus is on both of those is the same. That's good to so know. Marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and actually, and environmental management is a lovely one because realistically, if your child is even vaguely switched on to what's happening around them, they know half of it anyway. Absolutely. And also, it, 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 um, it covers a lot of travel and tourism. So, if you know environmental yeah, so management, the first half of tariff effects is that we do travel in tourism because the first half is a lot of environmental management when you have environmental impacts and the second half is business which is marketing half of that and so so for me oh yeah i would always go for the line of least resistance yeah yeah and just try and make our lives as easy as as, as possible at the end of the day Definitely. i want to preserve my relationship with my teenagers because those are very much challenged i think when you're going through that gcse yeah yeah, so homeschooling it. shifts, doesn't it? Home home education tend to, tends to shift, I think, when you get to GCSE study and all of that lovely, cuddly, feely, fun stuff that you did in the primary years, you know, where you all just like made volcanoes on the kitchen table. And then you're like, we've got to do past papers, got to do past papers, got to, and, you know, it does take a bit of the joy out of it, doesn't it? It does. So if you have a choice, 
Well, I'd say choose carefully. Yeah, so if you want to have an easy route, then that would be the one that I would suggest that you did. Okay, uh, secondly, what you'd be amazed is actually know how many papers there are. <laughs> because I have a lot of people coming in, you know, really like three weeks before the exam thinking there's actually only one paper. And I'm like, okay. So it is a I'm minefield, though, isn't it? Navigate. I was printing off past papers the other day and they've all got. You know, they've got, you know, regional options and the sciences are really confusing because you've got the combined science. And then if you're doing the individual science, you have to print off a combined paper that says combined on the front, even though you're not doing combined. And it's like, oh, my God, it is very stressful. Yeah, absolutely. So a good exam centre, though, when you apply to your exam centres, they will they will tell you how many sittings you've got, won't they? I mean, they'll yeah. say, okay, these are your three dates or something. Yeah. A good exam centre will do that. Yeah, they will do. So know how many papers you want and what they're about. So that's one of the, the, the reasons I like Cambridge. Your first paper is about, do you know stuff? Yeah, have you got the knowledge in there? And your second paper is about how do you apply that knowledge? So, and also one of the first things I sort of talk to them about is like, this is what you've signed up for. Right, these are papers. This is what they're going to test you on. You know, this is what we're looking at. And then I'll also show them the, the uh, grade boundaries as well, because yeah. Cambridge, you know, historically seem to have lower grade boundaries. Yeah. Which means that you can then get a higher grade on it. You're going plain. Okay, so yes, yeah, so make sure what your theme is, right, and so you know what you're doing and that they know what they're doing. Because... So when you say paper two is normally apply the knowledge, I'm guessing you're meaning things like case studies, source work, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So they're all very good. Yeah. Homeschool is very good at collecting knowledge, aren't we? Really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but your second paper will always test, okay, so you've got all that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to yeah, do? About that's it? always harder. That is always How are you going to put it together? And then, because we've got the option, so, you know, so that's something like environmental management just goes in units, doesn't it? But you need to start and, like, uh, I don't know, sort of stick them together a bit more. Because if you've got a question on, like, wood or tree, well, that could be any unit. It could be coal in unit one. It could be atmosphere. It could be uh, energy. It could be uh, deforestation. <laughs> and yeah. you have to sort of pull all those things together. And I think there's what what the paper two is trying to do. Yeah. So if you can, when you're teaching and going through it, just actually try and make those connections. So I did like a whole section on a tree because a tree just covers so many units. We pull that so information true. together. Yeah, and that's actually yeah, because the environmental management textbook is very dull. And so that's quite a nice way of making it a bit more interesting, isn't it? I don't, yeah, I don't do them. So yesterday we were doing water cycle, which everyone's going, ah, ah. So we made clouds in a jar because we know because the home schooling is alive and kicking. I turned the water cycle into a gay love story when I did it. I taught it as two two raindrops. I can't remember their names, but it turned out that they were trying to be reunited into the sea and they kept they had a different route to the sea. Oh, it was the most beautiful gay love story I've ever done. And it was, yeah. And my daughter was totally on board with it and now knows the water cycle back to front because she associates it with these two characters that were trying to get back together. <laughs> you just got to find that way. So, and I think, you know, as homeschoolers, you know, that we're terribly privileged that actually that if you can think a little bit outside the box, then amazing yeah. things can happen. And tailor it to your child's interests as well. What matters to absolutely. them helps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then we say, we're, the next thing I'll say was like, divide up your subjects that need to be learned. So if I've, whenever I've finished, this is like a bit anal actually, but after after unit one, I then like have got collected, you know, all the questions um, on past papers to do with, uh, to do with unit one. 
that's what so, I do. And yeah, there's no I, shortcut for that work, to be honest. It is no. so helpful. Uh, but, you know, GCSEs are like finite, you know, and something like environmental management has been around for years and years. But there's only a certain number of questions they're going to be able to ask, which means they're going to get recycled. <laughs> they do. So, <laughs> so therefore, <laughs> the more past papers you do, so I see that a lot of people and certainly Toddy and sort of like, you know, uh, Easter onwards, be doing full past papers. Absolutely. But in the meantime, be looking at what all the combinations that they might have asked me. Yeah. On this section. So then when you actually get to past papers, you know, they've probably done them before. And when we get to the exam, there'll be a version of it. And you'll be like, I've done this. I did this with my daughter with RA. Um, we did every past paper there was. And on the day, there wasn't one question that she hadn't done. Yeah, RE. They I used to examine RE, and they it's the same question, pretty much the same again, and again, and again. Yeah, right. And then start collecting your past papers, but start collecting them and then dividing them up into your units until you get to stage where you need to be. Because we do need to work on um, sort of resilience of writing for three hours. Yeah. And I think some people sometimes people like to forget that a little bit. Right. Okay. So multimedia for revision. Okay, so uh, this is like a bit controversial. And if I speak to teachers, they get very upset about this. But I found great value in finding out just their preferred way of learning. So I thought teachers like... liked, I thought teachers, when I trained to be a teacher, it was all the rage to know the, the oh, fashion. <laughs> we used to have a little letter next to their name in the in the register to say what learning style they were. Is that now gone, has it? Yeah, it's not so much in fashion <laughs> now. It's too much hard work, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and it I was mean, very hard work with forty children. They all had different learning styles. Yeah, absolutely, and everyone learns a little bit. Yeah, with all of them, but the kids that come to neurodivergent kids, high read write is not their preferred method, which means you need v- visual spatial learners. It's a it's a completely different approach to learning. It's like a completely di- it's like a whole different routine completely isn't it i think it's it is, no, and if you've got adhd then you're going to be really high kinesthetic learner yeah and that's like one of the indicators for it so you can look at someone coming in and just before we start work can i just have a quick look at where your learning style is and it'll come up really high kinesthetic and you're like oh, okay. <laughs> how do parents find out their child's learning style because i know some of us have a kind of sense of it but is there a way that they can yeah. There's, if you go online, there's, and I suspect you can probably post in links and things at the end, but there's uh, something called VARK, which is V-A-R-K. There's visual audio, reading and kinesthetic. And if you do the one for younger people and they have to answer a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. the only thing I say with that, especially if your kids, child's just come out of school, that they are going to have been sort of brainwashed a little bit. So what they'll generally do is they'll answer the questions in the way that you think they think that you want them to answer them oh that's really that makes me sad <laughs> yeah because it's so so high read right in school that they think yeah. that that's the only way so often i say to them i'm gonna give you this quiz okay and i want you to imagine this is a perfect world and if you could learn in any way you wanted and forget the way that you've been learning up until now yeah what would it be i said because if you're not honest i'm not gonna be able to help you yeah, yeah. Like you, you give me a false reading and you come out as really high on read writing, I'm a bit puzzled. But generally it's because they've come out of school. Yeah. yeah. That's their sort of normal. That was me. Forced so, normal. But the, yeah, so uh yeah, textbooks. They can be quite full on, can't they? 
GCSE textbooks, that's another rant, but I'll try not to have it for too long. It's almost like the authors have decided to sap all the joy and interest out of what are quite often quite inherently interesting subjects. And they've decided to do that, stick it in a book and make children read it. (laughs) Like GCSE textbooks, I'd like to meet some of the authors of GCSE textbooks and say, what were you thinking? I I did meet some because I went and did um, some teacher training on classics. I need to teach classic civilization, which is such an amazing subject. Mm. A little bit like Marmite, which is a shame. But uh, no, and then yeah, I was just I came away just really quite deflated actually. Because one of the things that they said is, you know, because everyone's saying, well, hey, how do you get old kids through it? You know, what do we need to be doing? And their answer was, well, not all of them are meant to pass it. You know, we we want uh, some of them to fail it. That is, that's good. <laughs> yeah, let's move on because I'm going to yeah. round up one. <laughs> anyway, so, there are loads of other things. Now, if you are a homeschooler, what well, your best friend, if you haven't discovered it yet, you soon will do, is YouTube. Yeah. Lots of people have posted uh, lots of information. And in fact, you probably just do the whole syllabus through YouTube if you wanted to. So I was talking I- about that. I was talking about that in another podcast. And I don't know if you've come across Science with Hazel. But apart from the fact that it's a GCSE, not an IGCSE, and there's very slight differences, you could do the whole syllabus just watching Science with Hazel YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be a lot more fun than, yeah. than using the textbook. Yeah, free science lessons. Yeah, they're like quite similar as well. So I found that the maths genie, so I'm, I'm, you know, seriously challenged when it comes to maths. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you can't be good at everything, eh? Um, exactly. So and these uh, are all YouTube YouTube yeah, channels. Mr. Salis, you know, so quite often I tend to teach on English Edexcel, uh, language B, which is a bit meaty, but sometimes Mr. Salles, that's S A L L E S. I'll tell you what I'll do in the Home Education Matters Facebook group. I'll put these links up when when this podcast goes out. Okay, and, and also, uh, if yeah, you do uh, English literature, then your best friend is Mary Meredith because she will tell you exactly how to write a, a grade nine Inspector Calls essay. All right. It's a ridiculous hoop jumping, isn't it? Honestly, it really is. Yeah. So, and obviously there's no need to do English literature because nobody ever wants uh, nobody ever wants it. Unless your child absolutely loves English literature, and then it's a brilliant one to do, obviously. But English language is the one. Maths and English language are the two that colleges tend to want. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I, I do tutor some, like, you know, the kids that are in school, and, and they didn't even know that it's two different subjects. No, they don't. Yeah, I know. They don't. Like, they don't. Oh, yeah, what do you mean? There's like four exams for English. Oh, that's why it's English and English literature. <laughs> no one's told me this. They just think it's all just one big subject. Yeah. In actual yeah. fact, a lot of the English language exams are very like English literature. That's one reason I like the Cambridge English language, because it does feel like it's an English language exam. Whereas some of the Edexcel English language, which my son did, actually feels very like literature. What with the anthology and things like that. I mean, it feels very literature based. Yeah. Whereas the Cambridge English language does feel a bit more like functional, practical English language skills. Yeah. So there right. are what else have we got? Things you can do. So if you haven't found Kahoot yet. You can I've set... never heard of Kahoot. Oh, mate. So, I'm Kahoot. missing out, aren't I? So if you, yeah, I reckon you might be. So, uh, <laughs> so Kahoot is like a multiple choice, you know, a bit like Quizlet, you know, those, mm. those sort of things, but quite visual. Now, you can make your own Kahoots, so, or you can borrow somebody else's. 
Okay, if you borrow somebody else's, just check the answers for me because actually anybody can just post a group. <laughs> and and when you're saying teach, anything, <laughs> teaching in a certain way, you sort of tend to ask the questions that would make sense to your class. <laughs> so, so someone could have gone on Kahoot and said, what is the water cycle? And someone else could answer, it's a gay love story. And no one else would understand what they're talking about. So Kahoot is spelt with a K at the, at the start, not a C. K-A-H-O-O-T. Now, you can find, um, you, you can just go and you can just like search, you know, what do you want to have a look for? So I could search for, I don't know, GCSE persuasive techniques, and it would come up with a load of them. So what I do, because I always will cut corners wherever I can, and I haven't got 10 days to do loads of cahoots, is that I'll take a few of them, have a look at the questions, pick the ones that I like, duplicate it, and make my own. Okay, so these are very popular if you've got a group of home editors, um, homemade kids, because they go on their phones and they do it as a quiz and somebody wins. So it's like quite interactive, but very you can, nice. I do set assign them as homework. Yeah, so you I can like it. Do you know, while you're talking, I've just because you are like the kind of GCSE guru. And I've realized I know exactly what I'm going to call this podcast. I'm going to call it Exams Hacks. Yeah. Exams hacks. Exam Hacks. Exam Hacks. Because yeah. you're just all about the hacks, aren't you? All about the like the 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 savvy roots in. I like it. It's very good. <laughs> so the kids I work with, they just have this joke that I never do any any more work than I have to. <laughs> They're right. Work smart. Work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. So, so Kahoot is a, a great gateway. It's very interactive. If you're a visual learner and a little bit competitive, then that's uh, a really a good way in. Your Quizlet is more like flashcards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I do use them sometimes, but I sort of the, the general consensus is, is they'll come in and they go, "Are we going to do a Kahoot today?" And then I can put in lots of information. Right. So the only thing I'm going to say to you, if any of you out there teaching um, and you're using Kahoots is there's a button on it which tells which tells it to randomize the answers because if you've got dyslexics i'm telling you never turn your back on a dyslexic because what they'll do is they'll learn the color of the answers yeah rather than learn the answers every shortcut available every time <laughs> they are dyslexic my, my my daughter is extremely dyslexic and she is you could you could set her in the most complicated world and she would find a route through it. They, they just they learn these amazing shortcut routes to like success. I think I, I honestly think that being dyslexic is one of the hidden superpowers of the world. I think we should just leave them to run stuff because they are just so brilliant. And I think that's like yeah, just so important. So even on LinkedIn now, there's a you can put a hashtag dyslexic thinking as one of your strengths. I like so that. I that's that. important. Yeah, I so do too. Branson's yeah. just introduced it. So now, and then people start to look for that because they're now realizing that actually their breadth of vision and the way that they look at things differently. Yeah, the way they can discover patterns and find find solutions and roots. It's amazing. It's I'm very envious because I have a very got dyslexia. <laughs> Is it really that much? Because yeah, I thought it was one in ten. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have a very, I have a very left brain linear kind of approach. And sometimes I feel decidedly sluggish next to my daughter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, so the world needs them. <laughs> so sure. yeah, that's like my like, mission in life actually is to get to celebrate neurodivergence. That actually it's not a learning disability. It's something to be celebrated. And if you put them all together, they do amazing things. I really yeah. see that at the moment. 
We interrupt this broadcast to remind you to like and subscribe to our podcast. And don't forget to join our Home Education Matters Facebook group, where you can find details on all our podcasts, any links or resources mentioned, chat to our guests, request upcoming podcasts, and even come on the podcast yourself. Do join us over there. Okay, so back to this, um, audiobooks. Okay, so if you've got a reluctant reader, um, then audiobook is another option. Um, okay, they won't want to read, listen to the audiobook because they'll be listening to Brucey and all those sort of things on their iPods. So what you do is when they're in the car and they have no escape, yeah. then you put your audiobook on. <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we did all the time for history because it's got a lot of, like, content that it's nice to sort of go around the subject and we used to listen to history in an hour audiobooks and we used to listen to them on car drives when they couldn't get out yeah. although to be fair my both my children love history which helps but yeah audiobooks in cars i agree captive audience that's it and then uh so another one which people don't realize if you're doing if you are going down the english literature route um and you've got things like um shakespeare and you've got a book <laughs> with lots of very weird writing in it um sometimes that can be quite hard to access and that's not particularly neurodivergent because anybody can struggle to mm. access that so an alternative which i found is really useful is to buy a graphic novel instead so it is a yeah. cartoon version but it has all the right script in it yeah but it helps immensely because you can then see, if you're a visual learner, you can see who's in the who's in the scene, uh, who are the characters, what are they doing, and it just makes it a lot more visual. Because things like Shakespeare yeah, never yeah. meant to be read; it was meant to be watched. And so, as we were saying, a dyslexic children in particular, but but all children, I think, tend to be amazing at making those jumps from one thing to another. So if there's a visual, they will fill in all these amazing gaps that perhaps they're not getting from the text. Yeah, I think so. And, it's, and sometimes these work like magic. I was working with a girl, she was in school. And uh, the first time I went around, she just sat and cried the whole time because Macbeth was just besting her. So I said to her, well, go and get her a graphic novel. Let's try that. And the next week, she was a completely changed child. And she could just flick through it and tell me quotes from anywhere in it. And it was just like... Very nice. Yeah, you can do that. So graphic novels, I'm a big fan of those, actually, just to make that everything more accessible and a bit more fun. Um, then you have films. So if you're doing Romeo and Juliet, actually, doing Romeo and Juliet, there's a couple of things you can do. So um, if you go online, and this probably is for every uh, Shakespeare play, you can go and find yourself online a modern uh, translation of it. <laughs> go read that first. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. So almost like Lamb's Tales used to be. Shakes, you know, the Lamb's Tales, which were like this little short modern reading, although nowadays they're quite old. Uh, you know, they were like 1950s or something. But yeah, so so then you have the basis of the story and then you go to the original. Sure, absolutely, because I found out only this week that Juliet's dad didn't want her to marry Paris and he, thought, and she, and he told him that it was, she was a bit young for it yet. <laughs> so, so I missed that completely and I won't look at yeah. Romeo and Juliet. I was... I always just got caught in the fight scenes of Romeo and Juliet and the rest of it rather bored me, or the love bit rather bored me. Yeah, I think films, and I also think that the BBC um, has done a lot of, like years ago, they've done a lot of adaptations, like Dickens, they did some very good Dickens adaptations in the 90s and noughties, and then they did a lot of Jane Austen adaptations. And I'm not sure whether any of these are studied in English literature, because we're not doing English literature, but I found just for analysis of text, watching the TV, then turning it off and saying, oh, wasn't that character interesting? And and like discussing Absolutely. what you'd watch together. I thought it gives you a sense of the kind of questions you get in English. 
Absolutely. And if you've got the film, so if you're watching Romeo and Juliet, I quite like the Leonardo DiCaprio one, but whatever you're watching, put the subtitles on so you can see. That's a good idea as well. What are they saying? I, what are they yeah. saying? Because the Leonardo DiCaprio one, that's in the Shakespearean language, right? Yeah, oh, yeah that's useful to have the subtitles. So, so when I'm doing Romeo and Juliet, so firstly, let's go and read the translation so we've got a bit of a clue what's happening. Right, now let's go and watch a film. Yeah, with the subtitles on. So we just got like a bit of an introduction to that language. Then let's have a look at a graphic novel. Right, and then perhaps we may or may not look at the book. Probably not. There was a very beautiful film of Romeo and Juliet that was many years ago that I think I watched when I was doing it. So it must be really old. <laughs> it must be like 90s. Uh, and I can't remember who was in it. I feel I want to say Olivia Hussey, although I'm not entirely sure. But if anyone is listening to this and can remember, yeah, I'm that old. If anyone is listening to this and can remember, do do like put the link or something, or say which one it was or what year it was, because it was a really good one. And I don't like Romeo and Juliet, as I just said, but I did find the two young actors in it who I've never seen again. They were very, very good. And I think the right film, when you're a teenager, can really grab you, can't it, and get you interested in the story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so then if you're doing your uh, EMs, um, documentaries, um, seaspiracy, cowspiracy, you're just turning into a load of like left-wing eco-warriors. But it's a place to start with conversation. Yeah, I've yet to meet a home-educated child that isn't already one of those. So I think you're yeah. on safe ground. <laughs> yeah, there is that sort of yeah section of it, isn't there? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so watching those sort of things and actually watching the news, especially if you're doing business, yeah, or anything yeah. with environmental stuff. Radio 4 yeah. have a lot of good series, don't they, as well? Yeah, I don't know, come to me recently, it's just, you know, I've just started watching the news, I'm going, yeah, we watch it at lunchtime, you know, and just when we're having our car, like our lunch break, yeah, we watch it then. And she's yeah. like, oh, okay, yes. <laughs> awesome. And then, don't underestimate the power of BBC Bite Size. I've always underestimated the power of BBC Bite Size because for, for me, it always felt really schooly. Uh, but but you're right it is an amazing resource but I don't know I, I just it kind of hurts me to use it even though it is really good okay, do they so do I, things like environmental management and business or is it just the more especially I stuff? use it for English literature mm. because they've got a section on there and it says it's got each of the characters and it will say um, Mr Burling and then it will say you know these are the things about him that you might be asked about these are the quotes which which you'd oh, use and this is how you analyze it so they're just that is good so yeah. if i'm hacking yeah you know i'm, I'm definitely going to be looking at those sort of things super so that's all your multimedia recommendations for yeah, I mean, revision brilliant don't stick to a book yeah absolutely it's tempting to think oh there's a there's a book yeah and uh, maybe not Okay, so then we are then looking at past papers, but with mark schemes. Okay, so you can download as many uh, uh, past papers as you like, and you can fill them in, and they may be right, and they may be wrong. You don't know. So, but I do this a little bit differently. So if we're doing a paper, what I'll often, I'm going to use a mark scheme, what I'll do is I'll give them a mark scheme, sit with them while I do it, and say, you mark it. Yeah, I always do that. Get them to to mark it. Yeah, Yeah. you need to learn. how the examiner wants you to write it and if you don't think you're going to give yourself a point what would you need to change so you would get that point 
It can be quite frustrating, the mark schemes, though, sometimes for some subjects, because they can be really vague, can't they? I know that with some subjects, not quite so much the three Cambridge ones you mentioned, but for things like history, English, um, RE, you know, religious studies and things, they, they, they say, oh, this, 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 or any other valid answer. <laughs> like okay that could be anything they do so so like on so yeah so if we're looking at someone like cambridge which actually they're traveling towards them they just throw these like fastballs in which you never it's just you know the answer and then you look on their paper and it's just something completely different yeah. never have got it in a million years you know so so we know that sometimes there's a fastball in there the, the one of my lads just came back in and just said oh so there's exam going he goes well there's definitely fastball in there I saw it. Yeah, yeah sometimes they do. Best. And 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 to be fair, they do do that so that they can differentiate between the highest grades, don't they? Because otherwise it's very difficult for them to differentiate between the nines and the eights. Because since we yeah. went to numbers, there is such a big difference between eights and nines. Although I'm not sure Cambridge use numbers. Do they use numbers? No, they still, still on they're such an old-fashioned example, don't they? I, don't I imagine Cambridge to be a bunch of old white men with beards sitting there going, How can we confuse our school children? <laughs> I think it's because they're, they're international exams, so they go out all over the world. That's probably why the mark scheme's a bit lower, because a lot of kids are taking these exams. It's like English is probably the second language. Yeah, and actually, I've just realised as I was saying that, I actually know somebody who works for Cambridge Exam Board, and she is a really lovely lady in her 30s, and she's very young and dynamic. So there you go, Cece. My misconceptions, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so you're like a little piece de la resistance when it comes to exam technique is you must, and your child must know uh, what a command word is. And actually Tell us what a command word is. Then, okay, so I call, they're called command words. I call them clue words. Right, and they're clue, clue words. Clue, yeah. Clue words. Right, so, and, and they try and give you a clue about what is it you're meant to be writing on your bit of paper. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and they mean different things, which is why I sort of like stick a lot with Cambridge, because they, uh, they're they all the same. So explain, okay, it means a what and a why so when it says explain something 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 they're wanting you to say what that something is and why that something is whatever yes yeah that's it so uh it's a shame that people can't see my screen at the moment but i've got an exam paper in front of me um it says explain three reasons why tourist attractions might ask tourists to buy tickets in advance okay then there's like one two and three and at the bottom it says it's six marks so yeah. I look at that. First thing I look at, what's the command word? What's my clue? Explain. Okay, well, to explain, I need to be doing what's and why's then. Okay, how many do I need to do? Well, it's six marks. I want to do three what's and three why's. Now, having been a scribe for a long time, what I do know is that if a child's not quite sure, they will do some waffling and they oh, will yeah. just write <laughs> things. And then right at the bottom, I may or may not be writing the right answer. So uh, part of the exam... And they use up loads of time as well, don't they, doing that? <laughs> and I'm writing a little tiny, tiny writing, right? Ah. <laughs> um, so, so what I get my guys to do is I'd say to them, right, what are the three answers? So what they would do, and on against number one, they would write the what. Forget the why for a minute. Number two, they would write the what. And then yeah. number three, they would write the what. So for explain three reasons why tourist attractions might ask tourists to book tickets in advance, your first one might be to get money up front. But then you would go straight on to number two and say something like um, to have shorter queues. But you wouldn't say why that's helpful. 
No, and the reason I'm doing that is because I want those three watts in first because what they will do and what I see time and time again is that they will rephrase the answer and write it out three times (laughs) and it's the same answer. That's true and they get stuck in the words, don't they? And so then they think, oh, I'll say that again but in a different way and it's a different answer. So get it. So, So there's two reasons I get them to do this. One, it's they're clear in their head. These are the three things that I am going to talk about. Are they different? Yes, they are. So, uh, so the what goes against, you know, the first thing, what is the answer? Duh, duh, duh. And then underneath, they would then say why. Then they go to the next one and do the why. And then the yeah. third one and do the why. If so they, they do the all the one, all the short answers and then they do, then they go back and do the whys afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. carry on. You, when they get to the third one. So they can't think of anything. Put a big star by it. And when they come back to check their work later, you know, when they've been going for two hours, it's very easy to see where it is. Now, for the examiner, this is like a very joyful and lovely paper because it's easy to mark. Yeah. Yeah. And when you are paper 200 that day, yeah, oh, you know, I've handed papers in before and just thought, I'm so glad I'm not one marking that. So if they having to read through your answer three or four times to try and work out whether you've even answered it. Yeah. That's going to be hard, isn't it? So you can make it. So I've got this big this thing where I say to the kids, keep it simple, stupid, kiss, kiss it. <laughs> keep it simple, stupid. Kiss so the examiner. And it's easy if you can see, yeah, what have I got in front of me? So you're saying that if you leave a if you can't answer the third one, put a big asterisk next to it so that when you're at the end of the exam, you're flipping through and you can see where you've got blank spaces to answer. Yeah. So when I'm flipping back through, um, I would check my big stars first, see if anything else is coming through. Do you know what? The other thing I'm going to say, I tend to do this with my dyslexics because they're very good at seeing the old picture and they're not very good, they can't see the wood for the trees when they're in the forest. So what I always tell them to do is when you've got a paper, um, read the whole of question one. So question one will be uh, five parts to it, A to E. Read the whole thing through because often the answer, those questions often flow. So often the answer to question one is in question it's is part d yeah it does happen in environmental management for certain yes and so what i see and this is from where i must work in scribing that they will answer all the questions in the first question and then i'll just rewrite it out again and again and again as we go through the other questions so uh so this is like a way to see if your brain needs organizing because you've got adhd or autism or dyslexia this is a great way to do it also i'm a massive fan of highlighters as well so make sure what it is. And sometimes I might even get them to translate the question. Yeah, into their own words. Yeah, into your own words. Actually, what are they asking me? So if you read all that first question through, so environmental management, what are they asking me? What are they testing me on? All oh, right, they're testing me on the atmosphere. Right, atmosphere brain on. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's explain. Explain is what's and then go back and do why's. Yeah. And then to describe actually is uh, facts. Give me three facts. Yeah, on it. I know. So so if it's like describe three things and it's three marks, it's three facts. Yeah. What if it's three things and it's six marks or doesn't that happen? Or would it just be more? No, it doesn't happen. Okay, great. If it's six marks, it's six things. Gotcha. Yeah. That's good to know. Okay. And then you've got suggest, which means from your own knowledge, so that's the one. Those are the questions where they say, or any other valid point. Is right. So suggest is a bit more like waffly. Yeah, well, it's just like, what do you know? What do you know about it? Tell us, tell us what you know, kind of thing. Yeah. 
So then yeah. you can add extra bits in because they're always like amazing conversations <laughs> over the year. So you can do those. Then like your state, you know, just straightforward or give, yeah, those sort of things are pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. But uh so command words. So I've just gone through the Cambridge ones for yeah. you know the, the straightforward exams. Um <clears throat> look up your command words. So uh so I've, I've, if you wanted to put it, I've got the link to the one for um for Cambridge. Um and, and and just make sure that you've got those. Yeah. Just make sure you Yeah. Got... What we'll do is we'll we'll put that link in the Home Education Matters Facebook group. And then anyone who's listening to the podcast, what I'll do is I'll do a post for this podcast and then people can come on the Facebook group and see all the links that we're referencing. Right. So ah, the other thing is time management. OK, yeah. so uh, so when kids are in school, they spend a lot of time writing things. So they probably built up those skills a bit more. If you're homeschooled, perhaps you don't do it so much. So I would say that time management is as is, is crucial as getting your exam technique in right, because you can have the most amazing exam technique, know all your stuff, and then you run out of time, or your hand starts hurting and I can't cope. Yeah, and it all goes, yeah, it all ends up in a hot mess. So yeah, I would yeah. say that your resilience needs to be built up, that you're practicing several papers at home and start timing them. Yeah. Yeah, so... And then you should yeah, always make pay attention to the number of marks, like I said, because that will be a clue about how much time you should be spending. So I see a lot of kids with they have a one mark question, but it's something they know. <laughs> so, so Write loads on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's one mark. So, so theoretically, does it work vaguely where if it's six marks, you should be spending about six minutes? Is it similar? That kind of mapping? I think a lot of them, yeah, very, very much work that way, don't you? Because the kids I work with, we've all got extra time. So we probably spend that. We're spending extra time reading it through. or Yeah. So uh, so prepare what you can. So uh, controversial probably, because are you an English teacher? Am I an English teacher? Yeah. No, I taught oh. religion and philosophy. I love oh. English. Oh, no, but cool. be, be controversial. All right, okay. So uh, I would say that you can actually prepare a lot of your English exam before you go in. Mentally. Properly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't write it down on notes and take it in. We can't, but <laughs> there are some sort of hacks on it. So I'm going to talk about EdXLB because a lot I know a lot of homeschoolers will do that. Yeah. Okay, and you've got three sections. You've got your section A for analysis, then you've got your section B, which is going to be a speech, a letter or an article, and then you've got your C. Okay, so a lot of them will like to do... Um, uh, description you know and I know some people do stories for me I would say that was GCSE suicide because how do you fill it all in for 400 words if you're really good at it then go for it uh, so for me that would then leave argumentative essay which if it was me doing it I would do that one because uh, you can get 100% marks on it just because you pick up so many marks for your layout or you can do description and a lot of them still go for description so what we do is that, so what I'm doing with my, kid, with my students at the moment, we're spending a lot of time building our piece. Okay, so we will have a prepared piece ready, which they can do two things with. They can either really learn the uh, structure and the planning for it, or they can learn it off by heart. <sighs> so this is for, so in Edexcel B, there is a there are three parts and one part is a piece of writing and you get to choose between 
description, argumentative writing, and a story. <clears throat> and you're saying that you can actually, but they'll ask you a question that you then have you you. So they'll ask a question like, "Oh, the title of a rainy day or something." I don't know. I'm guessing that is that how it works. But you're saying you could actually prep for something that's kind of vague that you could actually put into most things. Absolutely. So once it's written, so what we will do this is like a mega hack. We will get that so it is banging around a grade nine. Okay, it's a super piece of writing, and we've probably spent a month uh, actually working on it. And then they will either, and then the art then is how do you adapt it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but to the right, question that they're generic, asking, it's something nice and generic. Woodlands, beaches, great. Okay, what examiners don't like is they don't like dreams and they hate zombies. So if you avoid my those, daughter's always trying to put zombies into everything. <laughs> so does every other kid apparently that takes Jesus. <laughs> I think that's telling us something, though. I yeah. think that's telling us something. It's interesting because my son did LB and his tutor said exactly the same thing. He got him to invent like three or four characters that he knew very well and some sort of scenario like being on a bus or something. And he said invariably you can you can fit the descriptions of the characters. You're going to be able to use pretty much any kind of writing. Um, you know, whatever the title is, you're going to need to describe the character. So if you get some <clears throat> lovely descriptive words and stuff, you can put those in. And the same thing with, you know, a bit of a journey or something. Invariably, you can sort of like jam that into a title. So, yeah, I, I, I see exactly what you mean there. That's clever because that takes off a lot of pressure if you know pretty much what you're going to be writing. Okay, so the first thing I do when I sat down on that paper was go straight to Section C and write it, get it out of, get it out of the way while I'm fresh. Yeah, while it's in your head. Yeah, because yeah. I know that I've got a banging essay there and it's going to get a high mark. Yeah, so I'm going to going to do that. Now, what probably happened is if you're really prepared, that hour that you would normally have for that, you probably got it done in 40 minutes, which means you've got an extra 20 minutes that you can then use, yeah, somewhere else. So yeah. for me, what I would then do is the section B, do the, the article or the what have you, and I'd leave uh, because there's 16 marks for just the way you set it out. So there's a lot of marks you can get for regardless of what you're writing. Just for the um, way you structure it. Just yeah. for the way you structure it. What, yeah. like having an introduction, having a conclusion? Yeah, like, is that really? Yeah, particularly. So if, if I know an article came up, you need to have a heading, you need to have subheadings. You know, are you using connectives? You can, you can prepare all that. And these really? are things you'll find out from the mark scheme as well, won't you? When you're doing your past paper, if you've missed any, you'll think, oh, I, I missed a mark on not having a subheading. And then you'll know for next time. Right? Yeah, that's helpful. Will do. And, you know, and if you look at the mark scheme, like a lot of us do and just go, what the hell? <laughs> and YouTube it. Yeah, there'll be people there that will say, this is how you structure um, yeah, an argumentative essay. They'll tell yeah. you how to do it. So, yeah, walkthroughs of exam papers and things like that, right? Absolutely. So, you know, we've got it. We just need to know, make sure we can we can find it. And then section A, you can even uh, prepare some of that as well, because on that paper, they will have two pretty article type things. One of them, you will have subheadings on it. So I've got something to write about. Yeah, one of them will be happy at the beginning and miserable at the end. I've got something to write about. Yeah, some of them will have expert opinion. They probably both have. I've got something to write about. Yeah. So writers and people just don't really often don't realize that people use a triple for only one reason, and every writer uses a triple for only one reason. So secret reason is yeah, triplet, triple, hour three. It gets oh, is that like three adjectives in a row? Yeah. So it's uh, so it's, it's memorable. Yeah. So that's why you why you do it. But everyone does it for the same reason. So if you want to look at analysis, 
what you need to be looking at is why are they doing it and then you've got something yeah. to write about so, so you just look for look for when they use three adjectives in a row and and you know what you're going to say about that because you know they're always going to have something that has those yeah cool good yeah. hack yeah so um because because you know with english it's either easy or it's hard yeah there's nothing in the middle of that people either yeah exactly english or they struggle with english like yeah. it's like there's nothing in between so if you can do some like sort of yeah adaptations for it and then if you're not sure there are lots of people that uh, you can send off your paper and get it marked by an examiner i think it costs you like 25 quid but for me i would do that just so i had somebody that actually properly knew what they were doing yeah i do what i tend to do what i tend to do is i i will i will mark a couple with my child we'll mark them together and then we'll get one mark professionally so i know that we're not completely wildly off beam and then we'll carry on doing them ourselves and that way like you say it's not that much and if you normally if you approach any half decent tutor they'll give you a rate just to mark it um and there's also the mark my papers website which is quite expensive i have to say but that is literally all that they do is mark exam papers yeah so and that just to give you like a little bit of confidence as well i think sometimes when you're homeschooling you know you're just hoping for the best aren't you yeah yeah now, am I doing it right? I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's it's difficult to know where you are sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, and then you know you're going to you know, make some allowances for the fact that your GCSE year is going to be hectic. It's going to uh, challenge your relationships with your teenagers. You know, when they're in a situation where they're full of hormones and trying to be more independent, and then you've got all this extra pressure. So you know, just being a mum is hard enough without them being like a teacher as well like you're doubling up there exams officer um chauffeur to the exams (laughs) every kind of hat you get to wear as a home educator during exams don't you so i say you know just exams you know uh preserve the relationship with your team because that's like you know a lot more important exams can be reset but absolutely yeah if you irreparably harm your relation sorry say that again yeah do you prep properly then yeah. and take out the the worry about it so with the girls i'm working with at the moment you know my aim is when we get to exam day they're just and they're just just give me the paper so i can just fill it in yeah because i just never want to like do it again just get on to the stage and just, just give me the paper what i always say to my children before any exam is i always say that the examiner is examining me and not you they're examining how well i have prepared you for the exam so if you do badly that's really on me if you do well you can claim that for yourself <laughs> but if you do badly don't worry i'll take that <laughs> yeah and then um one little, little tip i i read somewhere that if uh if you feed them blueberries before they go into the exam that uh, like increases their, their brain capacity by 30 percent. i have no idea if that's true or not I feel like there's got to be a neuroscientist listening to this, pulling a face going, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) But I love that idea. Politics, I'm going to claim it's true. (laughs) Claim it. Claim it. I mean, blueberries are wonderful. They're a superfood. So, you know, I'm not sure about, I don't know how you could expand your brain capacity by 30%. And I don't even know what that would look like unless it starts eking out of your eking out of your ears which would probably get you extra time in your exam or special measures or something so yeah eat blueberries it could do but you know it's psychological so i just gave these blueberries and told her that she's going to do much better in exam she took it yet them 
exactly. It's psychological. It's just that boost, isn't it? It's that boost. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of like, yeah, just like a, a little gl- glimpse into my like exam hack world. It's, it, it is really, it strikes me as an extremely efficient route towards exam success. And the thing is, the more efficient we are and the more our child feels that they've got it, um, then I think it just makes them much more confident. And a, a confident child and a happy child and a relaxed child will do better at exams. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And if it can get that a love for the subject. Yeah, yeah. I think re- retaining a love of the subject, if possible, is brilliant. Getting a high grade, if possible, is brilliant. But none of those things are as important as the whole rest of your home education journey. Nice. So, Chitana, brilliant. I love it. You're now my go-to exam hack woman. So where can any of our listeners find you on social media or websites or whatever if they want? So I have got a Facebook page, which is Learning Support Hampshire. And I've also got um, like a group and it's called GCSE Dyslexia and Me, which you're welcome to come and uh, join. I am joining that one. Yeah. Um, Do you do online stuff or is it just in person? No, yeah, I do do um, online um, although I, I, my sort of special area, I guess, is uh, kids that are suffering from extreme anxiety that they're out of school for whatever reason, including that they've been excluded, um, and um, and, and neurodivergence, which often sadly goes hand in hand with that, I'm afraid. Um, so I sort of specialise in those, which is why we get all these hacks from, yeah, because we just make them need to keep it as easy. And actually, you know, at some stage I might even talk to you about how do you bridge kids so when they've got loads of trauma from school, mums will bring them out and say, uh, oh, that will solve it. And then they suddenly find that they're not doing any work at all. And I would love thing. to do a podcast on that because yeah, I am in the Homeschooling UK that. group and we get posts on that daily. Uh, well, yeah, you would do. And what's happened is all the trauma from school has actually stopped them learning. It doesn't matter where you put them. You can put them with a tutor, you can put them in a group, you can put them in a group, and nothing's going to work until you've dealt with the trauma and actually bridged a way back to learning so that's really what I do but I do do yeah neurotypical kids uh, I tend to do them online yeah just because uh you can be quite sensitive yeah with the, the kids that I'm working with at the moment so uh, but I also that's do like a session which is just on sitting down with anybody and then just showing them how to hack a paper that is brilliant <laughs> That is that is fabulous, and I'm already as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm well. I'm already thinking that me and my daughter. She's sitting environmental management this summer, and she knows the subject back to front, but it's just getting the information down on the paper. And I'm already thinking, right, Chitana, booking you in session (laughs) with me and my daughter. It's because I think you know exams are stressful, and I think if we can make them easier at all, then let's let's do it for our child. That is fabulous. Thank you so much, Chitana. That has been. I've never heard so many exam hacks. And I thought I knew a lot about exams, but loads of those I didn't know. So that is brilliant. brilliant. I'm loving that. Thank you so much. It's lovely to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day. Bye.